When Mrs. Carroll died at 7.30, my friend David was lying naked in the tower bedroom, watching the gardener put on his shirt. He nearly said something flattering about the boy's tan, as if it might stop him from getting dressed again so fast. David could lie there until dark, he thought, and watch the muscles play on the gardener's back, while Mrs. Carroll, wild for her nightly egg, went slowly mad with hunger. But he bit his tongue and didn't say it having thought better of getting too personal with the gardener days before. John, he said, because he thought he ought to say something. Why don't you take the morning off tomorrow? The gardener turned and faced him as he rolled up the sleeves of his work shirt. Why? Because you've stayed so late, it must be after seven. Are you my boss? Well, no, David said. Sorry he'd gotten started in this. So don't tell me when to work. I finish up at five. What I do after that is my own business. And he sauntered out of the room, making so much racket as he thumped down the stairs in his gardener's boots that David decided he must have stirred Mrs. Carroll out of her nap and started her hungering. David propped himself up on his elbows. From where he lay, he could look out the tower windows in every direction. To the east, the marshes, the beach, the sea, and then Africa though Mrs. Carroll's property presumably stopped somewhere as well, at one edge or another. To the west, Mrs. Carroll's forest, a range of wooded hills, on the lowland verge of which was thrown the house, close on the marsh and the dunes. The woods went west for a couple of miles, darkening and thickening, until they seized at the borders of Mrs. Carroll's dairy farm. The cows that trooped and huddled there did not seem to know that the sea was so near. Nor did the milkmen, who drove out to the farm every day from as far away as Boston and suited up in white duds and drove off in white trucks. The sea was a secret in Mrs. Carroll's domain. But the view, it seemed, had lost its shine. Though at last he was not horny, David was cruelly bored. He had been with Mrs. Carroll since the beginning of May, and it had taken him the five weeks since then to defuse the nervous collapse he had been convinced he was coming down with. He had stayed busy from the moment he arrived, finding a hundred things to do around the house. Mrs. Carroll, it appeared from the beginning, would not require half enough of his time. So he polished the dullest silver and rearranged the Fitzhugh cups and rose medallion bowls in the china closet. He alphabetized the north wall of the library. With two quarts of lemon oil, he polished the bowling alley on the upper floor of the carriage house. But it was inescapable, he thought as he got dressed himself. He was bored. And what was worse, he had just betted the only available man in the county, only to discover it wasn't going to be a regular thing. The dark and sullen gardener was a wonder in bed, but David knew from the pressure of his hands and the pace of his coming that he wasn't on the lookout for something steady. And David always was. I don't remember how it came about that David told me all of this. Because of Mrs. Carroll's dying when she did, because we all got so caught up in it, I never gave a thought about what David must have felt before. It happened that Mrs. Carroll's death set the summer in motion. When David told me the story of the gardener, all I could think of was Mrs. Carroll herself, still lost in reverie in her overstuffed bedroom, still at the center. 
They never fall in love, I said to David about the boy. They're in love with their roses. Do you think so, Rick, David said. I just decided he wasn't gay. If he wasn't gay, why did he go to bed with you? I don't know. Maybe to make sure he was straight. I looked at David then and found I was frantic to be 30 again. Was anyone ever so young? And I didn't like to envy him. It must have been after the first of July because he reached over and undid a button on my shirt. We were on the grass, and there was a row of tangerine poppies open wide all around the sundial. It was poppies, in fact, that brought the gardener up.